0: This morning, Isaac, what a great word. He didn't send instructions, he sent his son. Oh, what a great reminder. I love that. I love that. I love that. And uh, wow, well, we're off to a good start this morning. Great time of worship. Um, if it's your first time visiting with us here at Thrive, a special welcome to you. My name is Barry. I'm the pastor here at Thrive Church. We're As Isaac, I'm going to borrow another word from Isaac. We're delighted to have you here this morning. Doesn't that sound good? Delighted. And we truly are. We're so thankful that you chose to worship with us this morning. If it is your first time, if you would do me a favor, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says connect on it. Would you take a second to just fill, fill out a little bit of information about yourself? We'd love to follow up with you and just say hi uh, and connect with you this week. Also, on the back of that same card, uh, for all of us, there's an opportunity there for do, to do, to do two things. The first is this: uh, is to write out write down our prayer requests. And I'm going to throw Christy a total curveball. Would you come join me real quick? And I just realized we're, uh, you can we're th- and you can get that verse as well. Uh, you had that verse. Oh. Was that Jeremiah 33? So uh, Christy oversees our prayer ministry here at Thrive Church. And during worship, she came up next to me and said, there's a, there's a passage of scripture that God put on our heart. So would you, uh, would you yeah. read that for us? We don't have the mic. It's okay. Just nice and loud. You go. You do it. Okay. It says, um, Jeremiah 33.3, three. call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Amen. Call to me and I will answer. Answer. And so we want to call together. Thank you. Thank you. Can we say thank you to Christy? Um, those prayer requests come in each week. We, we take those, Christy uh, and the, the prayer team, pray over those, our pastoral team, and we call to the Lord on each other's behalf, believing that he will answer because his word tells us. And so if you have any need at all, any prayer requests, please fill those out on those cards. You can drop them in the offering basket uh, when they come by in just a minute. Also, Thrive Stories, if God is doing some great things in your life or answering prayer, please let us know. We'd love to celebrate uh, with you couple of things coming up. If you have your bulletin, make sure to check out your bulletin. Uh, first and foremost, our youth. Where are our youth this morning? Youth in the house, 7th, 8th grade, high schoolers. Uh, big change this week. Our youth group is moving from Wednesday night to Thursday night this week. Uh, we've, we've had some scheduling conflicts, and so we had to make a change. Uh, and that's not just for this week. That'll be an ongoing change. So youth group is now on Thursday Nights. We also have camp coming up. Junior high camp is next weekend. High school camp is the following week. Uh, the deadlines are upon us. In fact, the junior high deadline's already passed. High school deadline is already passed, but it's okay. If you still want to go, we'll get you signed up. There's room to go to camp. And so uh, just let us know. You can uh, stop by the hub after service uh, and ask about camp. We'd love to get you there. Uh, there's a couple of other things. Uh, we have a Married for Life class that will be starting. We've pushed the start date back uh, a little bit. Uh, it'll be starting the second week of February, and it'll be, on, uh, be taking place on Sunday evenings. Um, and so check the bulletin for that. And you can also go to thriveglendora.org for more information about Married for Life. An amazing class to enrich your marriage, to to give you some practical tools to help you walk in agreement in the, the covenant relationship that God is uh, called you to, so uh, check that out that's coming up and then finally the last Sunday of this month the 28th we have our our vision night and annual meeting uh, as a church family it's going to be taking place at the Thrive Center starting at five o'clock on the 5th so make note uh, to be a part of that we'd love to have you there I want to invite the ushers to come forward we're going to receive our tithes and offering this morning God is faithful God is faithful. We've been singing about that this morning. In fact, uh, as Jacques was getting ready to lead this morning in our pre-service prayer time, he, he made this declaration. We're not, we're not singing songs. We're declaring truth today. And that's, that's what we were doing. And, and God is faithful. God is faithful. I, I've had in my heart during this week just the, the fact that we need to take God at his word. I've had reports this week, it's, it's the 14th of January, we're just two weeks into this year, and there have been reports of jobs lost, of course, health issues, flu going around, and other things, uh, financial hardship, uh, car accidents, uh, just all kinds of things happening. And, and here's the deal, the enemy is going to pull out all the stops. He wants us to get off on a bad foot in 2018. But here's what I know, is God is faithful, that we can take him at his word in every part of our lives, not just our finances, in every part of our lives. And so as we give this morning of our tithes and offering, what we are doing is making a declaration, and it's one of the few places in our faith where we actually make a physical declaration, of our trust in God. We give and we sow into the kingdom. We give back to honor him and say thank you of our first fruits of that which he's blessed us with. But as we give this morning, as we pray, I also want you to do this. As I pray, if there's need in your life, especially in the area of finances, in the area of needing a job, um, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll close our eyes, bow our heads, we'll, we'll be in agreement together. But if that's you, just raise your hand to the Lord, not for me, but to him. And would you just lift your hands in, a, in just a posture of re- reception from him? Say, Lord, I, I want to receive what you have for me, and let's agree together. Father God, we thank you for your provision in our lives, Lord, that you desire good things for your children. And so this morning, Lord, we give back to you out of what you've blessed us with. And God, we ask that these gifts would be used for the glory and the furthering of your kingdom. But Lord, we also agree with each one whose hands are raised this morning. God, we speak provision, provision of finances, Lord. I pray, God, that debt would be paid off. I pray, Father God, that jobs would be provided, that increase in income would take place, raises would happen, Lord. New clients would would, would come, Father God. Everything that is needed, Lord, you know. You know, and so, Lord, we we call upon you, the one who knows our need and has promised to provide, Lord, we ask that you would be shown faithful in the midst of this congregation in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So good. Well, we, uh, we are into the second week of a series called Thrive. We are Thrive Church and uh, And I felt that it was appropriate, as the Lord was leading, that we would start this year with a message a sermon series that focuses on who we are as a church. Why are we called Thrive Church, and what is it that god 's calling us to both individually and corporately as a body as we move into uh, this new, this new year? So last week, we kicked it off with starting with talking about our our, our first point of our mission, which is Grow. And I'm going to read through our vision and our mission statement again uh, this morning. In fact, we'll put up our vision. Our vision as a church, this is what we believe God has called us to, is this, helping people thrive in Christ. Helping people thrive in Christ. If someone asks you, well, what's your church all about? You can simply say that. We're all about helping people thrive in Christ. And it's a team effort. Amen? Okay. Maybe, maybe it's, hey, it's a team effort, amen? Amen. amen. We're, we're all coming alongside of each other to help each other grow closer to Jesus, to be conformed to his image, as Romans 8 says. The Apostle Paul says, right? In fact, he, in that passage, he talks about how that, that everything that happens to us is for a reason, the good and the bad. Why? Because God is conforming us to the image of his son so we can thrive in Christ, and we get to do that together. Our mission statement, let me stop for a second. In fact, that comes out of the, the, the verse in John chapter 10, verse 10 says this that the, the thief, Satan, comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, has come that you would have life to the full, life abundantly. God has designed you to thrive. He has designed you to thrive. And it's not just a concept, it's not just an idea. It's a reality. It's a practicality in our lives. Our mission is this. We exist to help people thrive in Christ by knowing God, growing as disciples, serving like Jesus, and going to all the world to reach others. Knowing, growing, serving, and going. I want to read through our values as well again. I'm going to do this each week. It may seem redundant, but it's important for us to get this in us so we understand who is we are as a church. See, our vision is to help people thrive in Christ. Our mission, how we go about it is no grow serve go, and we're going to talk more about uh, grow this morning. We talked about no last week. But the way that we go about it and kind of our guardrails for how we do life together are our values. Our values, it's what it's what governs how we do life together. And so our values are these. God first, people matter, love does, grace extended, live in community, ministry and team, bring your best, give generously, and commit to growth. Those are our values. I'm not going to go into uh, unpacking any of those because we just don't have the time this morning. I shared a little bit in the message last week. So if if you weren't with us last week, you can listen to that. Uh, on the podcast, thriveglandora.org, You can check that out. And in fact, about a year ago, I did a whole series on these. And uh, if you want to go back in the archives a little bit, you can even listen to some more of those. But these are our values. This morning, we're going to talk about grow, about growing as a disciple. We believe as a church that after you come to know God, that there's a next step that needs to happen. And it's not just what we believe as a church, it's a biblical principle that that it's not just about an introduction to Jesus, but about developing a relationship with Him and then growing as we're conformed to His image. So we're actually going to focus on that last value, commit to growth, which by the way is not the last one because it's the least important. Imagine this, in that list of values, that's the exclamation mark. It's the point where we say, this is how we're going to set our course. We're going to commit to growth as a church family, as individuals, as followers of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to talk about growth. Commit to growth. You know, growth doesn't happen by accident. Growth doesn't happen by accident. In fact, we know this and we understand this, healthy things grow, Amen? Healthy things grow. Unhealthy things don't grow. Now, I, I just had a thought, and I, it's, a, it's a kind of, here's the thing. Diseases grow as well, but, but they don't grow in and of themselves, right? Cancer grows, and it's not healthy, but what it does is it sucks the life and the health out of other cells, There's nothing healthy in and of itself. And so it's more parasitic. But if we look at strictly healthy, thriving, abundant, full, productive growth, there has to be health. That doesn't happen apart from health. If you've ever raised a child, you know this. You have to feed that child healthy food in order for them to grow. They need to have the right nutrients. If you're a gardener, you're like growing plants or or, or or flowers, and you know that there's a process by which you bring health and you, you you cultivate health in order for those plants to grow healthy things grow, and it doesn't happen by accident. Last week, we talked about knowing god and and I want you to think about it this way: knowing God is really the seed i i can't have a process of spiritual growth in my life apart from knowing God. And so an introduction to Jesus and coming to know God, knowing who he is, and then as we talked about last week, knowing who I am in light of who God is and my relationship with him. And then being able to know other people and, and loving people the way God's called me to love people plants a seed in my life that should and and, and, and could and, and really must lead to healthy growth. The seed is planted, but there's a process of transformation that takes place before that seed grows into a plant and that plant becomes something, that plant or a tree becomes something that can actually produce fruit. There's a process that takes place. And this growth, this commitment to growth is really understanding what does that process look like in your life and my life knowing this, that we're all at different stages in the process, amen? We're all in different places. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different stories. We all have different challenges, different hang-ups, things that we've struggled with in the areas of addiction, in the area of brokenness, in the areas of fear, all of us. And all of those stories are varied, But but here's the truth that covers all of it. We all have to move towards health in order to grow and see fruit produced in our life. Here's what I love about God is he doesn't force himself on us. Why is it a commitment to growth? Why use those words or that language, commit to grow? See, because Jesus came to us, he extended himself to us, as Isaac mentioned. He didn't send us instruction, he, he sent us a person. God sent us his son. Why? Because it's all about relationship. It's all about? I'm going to ask. Okay, you're going to repeat it. All right? You're, let's try that again. It's all about? You might do that a couple more times today. So just be ready. You're prepared. It's all about? It's all about relationship. So God sends his son, not a program or instructions. He sends a person because it's all about relationship. And Jesus doesn't force himself on us. He creates an opportunity and it extends an invitation, right? Because if you're in a relationship that you're forced to be in, it's not a relationship, is it? No one wants to be in that kind of relationship. Well, if God is all powerful, why doesn't he just fix everything in my life? Well, because he's extending an invitation for you to know him. He knows you, but he wants you to know him. And as you come to know him, those things in our lives start falling into place. They start finding the healing that they need, the restoration that needs to be there, and that the brokenness will be mended. The Bible tells us that, that God came, that Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. It's a promise of his word to us, but he extends the invitation because an invitation that is forced is not, an, I mean, rather a relationship that is forced is not a relationship at all. In fact, we would call that abuse. We call that abuse. And we do not serve an abusive God. We serve a loving God. So he extends to us this invitation to, to grow. But if you've ever had a party and you've sent out invitations to people, what are you hoping they'll give back to you? A reply, a commitment, an RSVP. Yes, I'll be there. Why? Because you need a plan on how many people you're going to feed, right? Amen? Amen. <laughs> you need to know. So please, if, you're, if I'm going to send you an invitation, please reply. Please let me know. And the same goes for you, right? I'm having a party. Just let me know you're coming. Make a commitment. God extends an invitation to us, and he says, now make a commitment to grow. And I want to talk about that commitment today. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must do what? Deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Follow me. There's a commitment there. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there's a commitment To follow him. Jesus walking down the beach. And he sees uh, Peter and John. And and, and he says. Or Peter and Andrew rather. And he says to them. Come and follow me. And it says that they immediately dropped their nets. And followed him. The rich young man comes to him and says. Teacher what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says. Well what does the law say? What uh, what does scripture say? And he says well. you know," And he quotes all the commandments. and, And he says I've done it. I've done all these things. I've jumped through all the hoops. I've checked all the boxes. And then Jesus says to him, one thing you lack, go sell everything you own and come and follow me. And it says that the young man went away sad because he was unwilling to make the commitment to follow Jesus. He was willing to check the boxes and go through the motion, but he wasn't willing to commit to the relationship. And he went away sad. Jesus says, follow me. Every one of us have an opportunity to grow. We're extended an invitation to grow. Jesus says to you and to I, to myself, follow me. Follow me. And it is an invitation that requires a response. And they say, not responding is a response. It's an invitation that requires a response, so we can't live in limbo with this. Either it's a yes or it's a no. There's no in-between. But it's the most loving invitation we will ever get in our lives. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to look at a passage of Scripture and, and just to kind of give you a heads up how this morning will go, I'm going to read through this passage and then we're going to spend some time unpacking it, talking about what it means for our lives, highlighting a few of the different verses in it, uh, and then I'll close with some points of application uh, for us this morning. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 8. Peter writes this, His divine power has given us Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason make every effort This is a powerful passage of scripture, and it's powerful not just because of the words that are written, but considering who wrote them. Peter is one of my favorites in scripture because he's so relatable. He's the guy who made so many mistakes. And as I've mentioned before, the apostle John was happy to record those mistakes in his his gospel. (laughs) Look what Peter did. Look what Peter did. Look what Peter did. I'm the one he loved. Look what Peter did. And uh, sounds like a very dysfunctional family. Mom! (laughs) Peter had a lot of hangups, a lot of issues. Yet after Pentecost, Peter gets up and he preaches, and he becomes this rock, this man of God who speaks with authority. Becomes a leader amongst leaders. And so these words that he writes are especially poignant because Peter understands something of who God is. See, Peter tried and tried and tried and tried to make Jesus happy. If I'll just tell him the things I think he wants me to say, he'll be pleased with me. And more often than not, it ended up with Jesus saying things like, get behind me, Satan. Right? And I don't know if you've ever said that to any of your kids or anyone that you know. But, but for Jesus to say that to Peter, ha, ha, right, the very opposite of what he was hoping for, yet Peter now understands something about who God is and the opportunity he has to grow, the invitation that's been extended to him. So let's read through some of these verses. Verse 3, he says this, that God has given us, his divine power has given us everything we need. Isn't that great? I I love it when Scripture uses absolute language. Not most of the things we need or some of the things we need. Everything. His divine, divine power has given you everything you need. For what? To live a godly life. Do you desire to live a godly life? I do. I think it's inside of all of us, even those who don't know Jesus, that there's just this intrinsic imprint on our lives that says, you need to live your life different, that you need to live a life that honors God. We call not living that way, we call that rebellion. But God calls us back to restoration and reconciliation, even uh, the reference this morning to the prodigal son and the father running to the son. Because God wants to be in relationship with you. It's all about? All right. Everything you need for a godly life, he has given to you. What's more is that there's not a single thing in your life, not a single need that God cannot, or listen to this, will not provide. Nothing. Nothing. The caveat is this, is he knows what you need more than what you know yourself. He knows you better than you know yourself. And sometimes the things that we say, well, God, I need this. And he's like, actually, you don't need that. More often than not, right? God, I need, I need, and I need. And he goes, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. And and I know about you, but sometimes that turns into a little temper tantrum for me. Stomping my feet. God, you're not. You're not doing what I want you to do. And it's only years later, or sometimes days later, that you look back and go, God, thank you so much for not giving me what I was asking for because you had something so much better in store. Why? Because he knows what you need and he's given you everything you need. The picture that scripture uses is that of the gardener. John 15, 1 through 4 says that this, Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. And well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is an amazing partnership that takes place. Here's the father, the gardener, the one tending to the vine. Jesus is the vine, and we're attached to the vine, and it's the Holy Spirit who causes this life to just course through us and empowers us. What an amazing partnership that exists. But but God the Father is the gardener. And because he's the gardener, he knows what the plants need. I want to th- show you a few pictures. Um, why don't we do this? Get you warmed up a little bit, all right? Uh, when, when the picture shows up, just shout out what kind of tree it is, what kind of plant it is. You can do that? A little Sesame Street going on this morning. All right. All right, let's put that first one up. All right, good, good. It's a good thing we know that because we live in Glendora, which is, right, used, used to be a big citrus producing area, and uh, some of you have orange trees or some kind of citrus trees in your yard. Let's try this one. All right, grapevines. Those look good, don't they? All right, let's do the next one. Uh, yeah, it wasn't quite as confident, but it was good. Yeah, olive trees, olive trees. And the last one, my favorite, Coffee. coffee. Yeah, it's a coffee bush. I'm going to put all four of those up. Here's what's interesting about these, and and this is just four that I selected, but there's so many others. There are things about each one of these plants or these trees, these vines, uh, that they share in common. They all have root systems. They all use uh, leaves to... To go through a process of photosynthesis, converting the power of the sun into energy and food for the right to to, to, to nourish itself. The roots draw moisture and, and nutrients from the soil that come up into the plant and, and nourish it. Um, and so, so they share some similarities, but they also are very distinct from each other. They're not the same. They don't produce fruit that tastes the same. In fact, they don't even all grow in the same region. Some of these, like the coffee uh, and the olives, grow in very specific regions. Coffee, really along the equator, is the only place you'll find coffee plants growing because they don't thrive in other environments. The soil needs that each of these have are very different. Some of them need more acid in the soil. They need the pH to be different. Some of them need more water than others. We have a fig tree in our backyard, and uh, I always know when our sprinkler system isn't working because all the leaves just fall off the fig tree. And the first time it happened, it kind of freaked me out because we rent the house, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I just killed the fig tree. Um, put some water back on it, and those leaves just came right back again. But fig tree just needs Water, and if it loses that water, it goes into this preser- preservation mode. So each of these are different. And here's the thing the farmer who works with each of these will know what each of those plants need, he'll know what he can grow in a certain environment and during a certain season, and what the soil condition needs to be, and how much water needs to be applied, in, and what kind of fertilizers there need to be. The two that are most fascinating to me are the grapes and the, and the coffee, because grapes and coffee will actually take on some of the characteristics of the soil and the climate that they're in. So we understand that like Kona coffee has a unique flavor to it. And the coffee bean, all coffee beans all around the world are exactly the same. A coffee plant doesn't change. Coffee beans grown in Kenya or Hawaii or Colombia or wherever, Sumatra, uh, they're all identical. The thing that changes is the soil, the acidity, the climate around, the humidity in the air. And that actually will flavor and give that coffee bean a unique flavor. Pretty cool, isn't it? So when you go to Starbucks and they have their select reserve, what it is, is those are coffee beans that are grown in a very small region of the world. There's very limited production. So of course, supply and demand, the cost goes up. Grapes are the same way. The same variety of grapes grown in a different vineyard in a different place will render a different flavor. So wineries, award-winning wineries around the world will, will uh, safeguard their land and safe. Safeguard those vineyards to make sure they keep producing. So a bottle of wine from Stellenbosch in South Africa and the same, the same, let's say, a Chardonnay from South Africa and a Chardonnay from Napa will taste completely different. Why? Because of the soil and the environment that it's in. The gardener knows. So here's the application for us. You're all different. You're all different. You've all grown up in different environments. You've all come from different backgrounds. We already talked about that a little bit. You've all gone through different kinds of circumstances in your life. Now, we all share commonalities. Jesus says, be attached to the vine. Be connected to me. That's not optional for us. We will all draw our nutrition from the same place. But here's what's so amazing about God and why the relational aspect of God is such a blessing. Is he knows what you need. He knows exactly the kind of environment you need, the kind of encouragement you need, the kind of pruning you need. Not much of an an amen on that one, right? But it's needed, it's necessary. Grapevines every year get trimmed way back, almost down to the, like, like if it was me, I'd be like, you just killed it. You just killed it. But the gardener knows, no, I had to do that so next year it will produce the kind of fruit That it needs to produce. The gardener knows exactly where you are. So when Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. What he's saying is, he knows exactly what you need to thrive. And he will tailor make a plan and a process for you. That will lead you from where you are to where he's calling you to be. We're grafted into the vine. Verse 3 as well, he says, he called us by his own glory and goodness. I think Isaac was reading my notes this morning. He made the call. You ever been waiting for a call? Right? He made the call. He initiated. He's the one who reached out to us. And then he did the heavy lifting. He went to the cross, not us. We're the ones deserving of death, yet he went to the cross and died on our behalf. And it was through his glory that was necessary, that divine nature of who he is, that perfect sacrifice, and his goodness. What was that goodness? He just loves you. He just loves you. And out of his divine nature, he reaches into our lives. He did the heavy lifting. Second Peter 1.4 Through these he has given us every great and precious, his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil evil desire. So verse 4, very great and precious promises. Through his glory and through his goodness, he extends to us this next part. Great and precious promises. Great and precious promises. Chief among that is this, that we get to participate in the divine nature. Let that sink in, because I think it's one of these things that we can read over. We get to participate in divine nature. Why? Because it's all about? It's all about? It's all about relationships. And what God was doing for us is restoring us back to our original design. What well, was not, it wasn't a functional design, it was a relational design. The thing that broke God's heart at the fall wasn't just the disobedience. It's not that he loved the fruit so much that he was angry that they ate the fruit. Right? You set something on the counter in the kitchen, you're like, I'm saving that for later. You got teenagers in your house, you know how this is, and you come back, where to go. Right? And there's the, the crumbs are right there. I was saving that. That's not what how God felt in the garden. He didn't care about the fruit. He cared about the relationship. It was the relationship that was broken. And he says, I want you to participate in this divine nature. And because of sin, that's broken. And he's inviting us back into a perfect relationship with us. And he says, these promises given by Jesus through his glory and his goodness, giving us everything we need, all point back to this, that we get to participate in the divine nature. Romans 8, which I mentioned earlier, says it this way, that we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Restored back to God's in, in original intent. And in the midst of that, we escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Escaped. God has made a way out. He's given us a way to escape. But notice that it doesn't say that he forces us out. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to follow him, to follow him in such a way that everything we need is met in him through his glory and goodness, so we can be conformed to his image and participate in the divine nature. Going on, verse five, he says, For this for this reason, in light of what everything God has done, right? It's the big setup. He's given you everything you need. Jesus came through his glory and goodness. He, he's in, made this invitation to you to, 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 divine, to divine nature and to get rid of the things of this world. And now he says this, for this reason, make every effort. Everyone say effort. Effort. Now let's do it a little more effort. Effort. One, two, three. Effort. All right, there we go. To add to your faith goodness, and then he goes on on the list, and I'll talk about that in a second. Make every... Effort. Don't just think about it. Do it. Engage. Go for it. Make every effort. But effort is hard, isn't it? Come on, it's the second week of January. Somebody in here has got to be working out for the first time in a long time. <laughs> I would raise my hands, but my chest is too sore. Um <laughs> it's effort. Going to the gym takes effort. Eating better takes effort. Saving money takes effort. Really, anything worth doing takes effort. Sounds biblical, doesn't it? It's because it is. There's an easy road and a hard road, and God says, don't take the easy road. It leads to death. Make every effort to choose the road less traveled, to go the way that I'm calling you to, it's a priority, and it has to be a priority. That's why we, we use that phrase, commit to growth. And, and, and here's the thing that I know is it pains the heart of God, and I know this as a pastor, and, and, and you probably have felt this for your children or your friends, is that you can't make the commitment for someone. You can't. I can't make you grow any more than I can make the tomato plant in my backyard grow. I can't. It's a commitment you have to make. The opportunity we have as a body of Christ is to come alongside of each other and cheer each other on and hold each other accountable. But I can't make you grow. And I can't make you commit to grow. That each of us bears a personal responsibility to make every effort. To make that commitment. He goes on to say this. Add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self control, self control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. Do you see the process? Do you see the process? Add to. Don't just stop with one. Add to, and keep adding to, and keep adding to. Because there's going to be seasons of life where the pH is off. Where things go sour. And now I'm going to need a little bit more self-control. I'm going to need a little more perseverance. I'm going to need some more understanding. And I don't know if Peter wrote this list uh, in, a, in a, a hierarchy. If the, the first ones are more important. Because we know at the end is love and love's most important. So it kind of turns that upside down. But I do believe there's a process here. See, I add to my faith because that starts with the seed. I believe in Jesus Christ and I put my faith in him and I, I, I walk into a place where I know God and, and now all of a sudden there's this faith in my life. And add to your faith goodness and then knowledge and not knowledge just for knowledge sake, but a knowledge of who Jesus is. The goodness, why? Because he reached out to us in his goodness. Amen? Self-control and perseverance because God knows it's going to get hard. Godliness. I'm not, being trying to, I'm not trying to be conformed to my image. I'm trying to be conformed to his image. And here's what I know. Barry doesn't look like Jesus a lot of the time. And neither do you. Again, we're all at different stages of this journey. But man, we've got to work. It takes Effort, and so he says, add, add, add. Keep adding to the process. And in different seasons, the process will look different. But don't neglect the process. It is a process. Here's one of the things about serving Jesus, if if you've known him for uh, two hours or 20 years, that it doesn't just happen overnight. Amen? It is a process It is an intentional process. It is a process that has seasons of victory. And it's a process that sometimes, based on how committed we are to the process, can have seasons of defeat. We can have our ups and downs. And in the midst of that, God's goodness and his glory never go away. He's still there going, just just get back in the process. Just get back in the process. Peter goes on to say this in verse 8. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, don't plateau, but keep adding, listen to what he says, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something struck me in this verse that I hadn't caught before as I was studying for this message. I read ineffective and unproductive and I immediately think task. I immediately default to performance. God wants me to produce, he wants me to produce, he wants me to produce, right? And in the same way I can't make you grow, you can't make me grow, none of us can just produce fruit just out of our will or our effort, right? An orange tree or a grapevine can't just go, oh, oranges, come on, dirty, go! The, The conditions have to be right, right? The conditions have to be right. So, it'll keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. So, what Peter is saying is the most important thing is this, knowing Jesus. Because it's all about? Did I mention that before? It's all about relationship. So we go through this whole process of growing and being pruned, and and adding and 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 taking away, and, and 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 looking at our lives, and why? So we can produce more to please God? No. So we can just simply know Him. That's His whole desire. That God cares more about who you are than what you do. He values you because of who you are, and not what you think you can add to his kingdom. You can't love you any more than he loves you right now. And so that knowledge, what that knowledge does is reminds us that we're loved, that we're accepted, that he cares about us, that he's extending our... our, And and I got to tell you, that's the best motivation yeah, I'm going, to be ineffective. I'm, going to be, I'm going to be ineffective and unproductive. That's a statement. I want to be kept from being ineffective and unproductive because when I'm close to Jesus, I want to live for him. I want to live for him. You see this in coaching. For those of you involved in youth sports, I know there's a bunch of you. The coach that just yells at the kids and yells at the kids and yells at the kids. The morale is horrible. But that coach that encourages and loves and cheers on and calls out the best, man, that's the team you want to be on. That's the team you you want your kids to be on. Am I right? God does the same for us. The whole goal of us is not so he can produce more. It's so that we would understand more that he loves us and as we do it leads us to want to live for him. To want to follow him. To want to separate ourselves from the things of the world and align ourselves with the things of the kingdom because it's all about relationship. So three closing points of application and I promise these will be really quick. First is this. First is this. Focus on health. Focus on health. Focus on health. So often we enter into a growth process. I know I've done this, so I can just stop feeling guilty. Or I can fix just one aspect and one little thing here or there. And then leave pretty much everything else untouched. The thing with the Lord, it's got to be all in. He's Lord of all or not at all. Lord of all or not at all. I heard that my first week at Bible college and it just stuck with me. He's Lord of all or not at all. And so our focus is health. God, I want you to be the Lord in every part of my life. Not so I can perform, but just so that you can bring health to me because I'm broken and you're broken. If you didn't know it this morning, you're broken. Every one of us. Growth is not about performance. It's about health. We start with knowing God, which is all about relationship. Really, if then we were to say, well, what's growth all about? Growth is all about health. If I want to see God produce more fruit in my life, I'm not going to focus on the fruit. I'm going to focus on getting healthy. In fact, I would say this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The root comes before the fruit. The root is more important than the fruit. We have to focus on what's below the ground before we can worry about what's above the ground. And establishing healthy roots will lead to health in every part of your life. Think of an aspect of your life. Work, ministry, marriage, kids, finances, physically, right? Fill in the blank. Healthy roots will affect every part of who you are. It just will. But here's the thing. Roots are below the ground. They're unseen. And so we can come on Sundays and we, we present our public persona. Am I right? And we let people see what we want them to see or what we think they want to see or what will make us feel better if they see it. But every one of us has that private life, the unseen part of who we are. Even in our homes and in our marriages, there's that unseen part of who we are. My friend Randy Remington, who pastors up in Beaverton, Oregon, had said to me once, we were talking about uh, just our our marriages and and ministry and some of the pressures of ministry. And he's like, you know, Barry, I want to live my life in such a way that if I were to die today, in an accident, that my wife Sandy will have no surprises. As she starts going through my computer or through my desk or through my finances, no surprises. That's a commitment to having health in the unseen places, the private places. And can we just agree this morning, that's the place where we struggle the most, right? We, don't, we struggle the most in the private places, and then we keep it private because I don't want people to know. Yet, there is someone who knows. And so we have to commit to follow Jesus in the unseen places, in the private places of our life. If we want to truly see growth and health and healing, Colossians 2 six through 7 says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him let your roots go, go sorry let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness i have it in my notes in the new living translation i know it's in the in the niv up there and i really like how it says it here in the nlt so it's, so just listen to this again as I read that, that first part. Just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your roots grow down into him. The effort here, the focus here, the attention here is to, the, to what's unseen. Unseen. And all throughout Scripture, we see the picture of the tree established by streams of living water. Psalm 1. Produces its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Why? Because when the attention is given to the root, everything else will prosper. Everything else will thrive. So we have to focus on that private part and commit to health. Second is this, don't neglect the essentials. Don't neglect the essentials. I talk to people quite a bit who are struggling in different areas of their life and when, when asked the question, are you in the word? Are you reading? Are you worshiping God? Are you coming to church? Are you surrounding yourself with fellowship? How often the answer is no. No, I'm not doing that. Can I just let you in on a little secret as your pastor? If you're not doing those things, there's really nothing I can do for you. If you're not committed to the essentials, to tending to those rooted places of your life, to knowing God through prayer, to knowing God through the word, to knowing God in the midst of worship, and knowing God in the midst of fellowship, because that's an important part of who we are as the body of Christ that we can't help each other. Well, that's not easy. No, it's not. That's why it takes every effort. But don't neglect the essentials. If you want 2018 to be a different kind of year in your life, if you want to see God move in a different way in your life, if you want to see different results and different fruit produced by the end of this year, start focusing on the essentials. Now, remember this, and this is where we get kind of, Twisted in the church is we start doing our journaling and I got to check the boxes. Why? Because I want God to be pleased with me. Eh! He's already pleased with you. He already loves you. The journaling isn't for him. It's for you. The prayer isn't for him. It's for you. The worship isn't. Well, it is for him. But it's for you. It's to him, it's to him for you. Thank you, John. Do you see what's happening here? It's all about, it's all about, it's all about, and it's in the essentials where we are connected to God. It's when we live our lives connected to each other, live in community. Why? Because when our lives are tied to each other, the chance of us derailing decreases dramatically. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. So be around people who have good character. Now, are there perfect people in this church? No, we all have our issues. But it's about direction, not perfection. Are you moving towards Jesus or are you doing your own thing? And so we have to be careful. Don't neglect the essentials. Prayer, the word, worship, and fellowship. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, don't neglect the gathering together, the assembling together is as some are in the habit of doing. Why? Because it's in the midst of this, and I'm not, I'm not talking about Sunday morning, right? One of the things that bothers me about Sunday morning is you're all facing me. Maybe that bothers you. No, no, do <laughs> Right? This is not engagement. This is necessary, as we'll read in a second. But I'm talking about what happened last Sunday at the park when we sit across from a picnic table and actually build relationship and get to know a little about a little bit about each other's lives. Start discovering little things that we didn't know about each other. That's fun. It's fun. And Jesus is in the midst of it because he's all about good. All right. Finally, this this last one. You're not in this alone. You're not in this alone already said this, take advantage of growing in the midst of community. An orchard will produce more fruit than a tree by itself. An orchard will produce more fruit than a tree by itself. The, the tree by itself is also more likely to get blown over in a windstorm. There's something about community that's so important for us. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So Christ gave uh, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Let me stop there for a second. My, my job and, and the job of our pastors and our leaders in this church is not to do the work of the ministry. It's to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You are each and all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ with a unique call on your life, called to produce fruit that is unique in your circumstance and in your sphere of influence. And so the role of the church and of the leadership of the church is to help build you up. He goes on to say, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. It's about relationships. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. It's almost like Paul doesn't have enough words to tell us what he's trying to tell us. There's a whole lot here for you. He says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, or blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. We will grow to become in every aspect, not in some, in every aspect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. We're connected to Jesus because it's all about relationship. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself, itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the church. And what this is saying is you're not in this alone. And the number one tactic of the enemy is to tell us you're in it alone. No one knows. No one cares. No one will understand. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. Because we're in this together. Thrive Church exists to help people thrive in Christ. We exist To help people thrive in Christ. And that's not just my job. That's our job. Introducing people to Jesus first and foremost. Because there's people who don't know him. They have no knowledge. Of Jesus Christ. They've not experienced the glory and the goodness. Of calling on his name and being saved. But it also extends to helping those who do know him. Grow in their relationship with him. Which is what we call a disciple Someone who follows Jesus, who looks more like Jesus tomorrow than they did today. That's all a disciple is. And so we grow as disciples, and everything we do as a church is geared towards this. Everything, thrive groups, the picnic at Finkbeiner, like I mentioned, strategic, it's important, not just to fill the calendar. I I think that's one of the most important things we do as a church family. If you've not come out uh, on the first Sunday of the month to Finkbiner, come join us. Grab lunch. In fact, next month, a little advertisement. We're gonna start, there's a couple of grills there. We're gonna grab some charcoal and fire up the grills. Just bring something to church with you and then go to the park. Get together with a couple of families and say, hey, let's potluck it together. Which is always good. Amen? And let's have fun. In fact, we have gone the extra step this year. I'm, I'm reserving, and we've reserved that picnic space. We're actually investing in this. So on the first of every month, including, by the way, Easter is on a Sunday this year. It's on a Sunday every year. <laughs> it's on the first Sunday. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. You go I appreciate that. It's on the first Sunday this year. And so when we were at the park last week, I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? And a few people are like, we're coming to the park. So if you have family plans, if you do stuff as a, as a family for Easter, feel free to go do that. But if you've got nowhere to go, go to the park. We're going to barbecue. It's going to be good. And we're just going to hang out. Life journaling, which you can get the, the, the journaling guide at the back. Why? Because we're gearing towards that growth to being aligned to who God is. Our prayer groups, by the way, in the bulletin this morning, you'll see something brand new listed. Monday night, there's prayer, a women's prayer group that meets just up the street here. And on Friday mornings at the Thrive Center, bright and early, guys, we have a group of guys that are praying on Friday morning. Well, I'm not a morning person. Get over it. <laughs> Make every effort, right? Go to bed early the night before. Turn the TV off a little bit earlier. Can we just get real? Talking to myself a little bit here, or a lot. Turn off the Candy Crush, Barry, and (laughs) get to bed early and show up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Thrive Kids. Why do we have Thrive Kids? Because we need our kids to do something while we're in church. Heck no. (laughs) Our kids are being discipled and trained and conformed to the image of Jesus. Jesus. Our youth, Thrive Youth, our camps, our retreats. We have faith and life classes. I mentioned Genesis process started this week. Be praying for Robert and Stacy. They're in the midst of helping people move from unhealthy things in their life towards healthy things in their lives. And it's not an easy process. Be praying for them. Jim and Casey are getting ready to lead Married for Life. Why do we have Married for Life? Because our marriages need help. If you're married... Your marriage needs help. Amen. (laughs) I'm speaking mostly to the guys. Take advantage of the opportunities. Yes, there's a commitment. Yes, there might even be a cost because we have to be good stewards. Is your marriage worth the investment? Are your kids worth the investment? And there's a whole lot more coming up. We have a growth track that will be starting, a four-week class that'll be starting in March. You'll hear more about that. And we're gonna have different stages of that growth track that we'll focus on, guess what? No, grow, serve, go. And we're gonna unpack these things more fully. Why? Because as a church, we wanna see you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And we don't wanna just keep you busy. I just say this and we'll close Just because it's on the calendar and just because it's in the bulletin, don't feel guilted or feel a pressure to to show up. What we're trying to do is offer a variety of nutrients to the plants in our care. And you might not need that particular nutrient, that particular enrichment in this season, and that's okay. It's all right to say no because we value your time and we want you to focus on, on your home. on your health. But I would say this, genuinely pray. Look at those things as they come available and say, is this something I need in my life? Is this an opportunity for me to grow? Is God calling me to go deeper? And in the midst of that, God will do something in us that will blow our minds. Amen? Let's stand together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We'll close with worship. When I said we would bow our heads, close our eyes before the Lord this morning, it is our desire to help people thrive in Christ, but I never want to assume that everyone in this room knows Jesus. I want to extend an invitation to you today. If you've never said yes to receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, making Him your Lord and your King, repenting of your sins and allowing Him to forgive you. That's you this morning, and you'd say this morning, I want, I want that relationship, Pastor Barry. Without anyone looking around be- between you and the Lord, would you simply do this? Would you just simply raise your hand so I can agree with you? Just raise it in the air. No one's looking around. I don't want to miss the opportunity for someone to come to know Jesus because it's the first step. All right. Thank you, Lord. God, we do pray over our community because we know there are so many people who don't know you. And Lord, as a church, we want to help people thrive in Christ, which means that people need to come to know you. And so I pray that as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that every one of us would take seriously our commission and call to go and be salt and light in our community. Lord, I thank you for your church, for the body of Christ, Lord, that exists so that we can be connected, so that we can grow as disciples. And I pray, Lord, this year, over every home, over every person, over every marriage, over every family, over every child, that 2018 would indeed be a year of thriving. Not because of our effort, but because of your great love for us. I pray that we would tend to the important parts. Lord, that our roots would grow deep in you. And that we would be established. That we would be established in our relationship with the Most High God. So that no matter what comes this year, we will be able to stand in Jesus' name. Amen.